Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. When we can look at how we can meet a child's needs and wants within our boundaries, there's almost always a solution there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 277. Today, we're talking about taming toddler tantrums with Devin Kunzman. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast, now with over a million downloads. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back. I hope you are doing well. It is spring here in Delaware, and I'm looking at beautiful flowers in my garden. I feel like spring is springing everywhere and the whole pandemic is winding its way down. I have to say that now that I have my vaccine and so many of my friends have their vaccines, we're all fully vaccinated, I'm like hugging people again. It feels so good and there's such a sense of freedom and ease. I am so happy about that. It's just taken this huge burden off of my life. Personally, I know that it's not the same way for everyone everywhere. So I hope that things get better for you wherever you are. And I hope that if not now, soon you are experiencing some of that freedom too. And I hope you're doing well. This is going to be an awesome episode. I'm so excited to dive into this. This is a most wanted conversation, right? Toddlers, they're so infuriating. They're so darn cute and they're so frustrating. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Devin Kunzman. She is an ICF certified coach on a mission to transform the myth that toddlerhood is terrible. And Devin empowers toddler parents to overcome the challenges of toddlerhood, nurture development through using positive, respectful, and developmentally appropriate parenting skills. So we're going to discuss the terrible twos, three-nagers, and why it's so hard, and does it really have to be that way? So I want you to listen for some important takeaways, how tantrums are not a reflection of ourselves or our children, that they're basically just a necessary emotional release. 
And you're going to also hear some of the best learning opportunities that can come post-tantrum. So this is going to be a very useful, very shareable episode. I hope you end up sharing it with your family and your friends so that we can all understand this phase of life more. I wish I had understood it more when my girls were in this time. Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to, we had a bunch of new Mindful Parenting members join recently, and we are so excited to welcome them into this membership and to welcome into our group that hangs together for a lifetime. We forge these bonds and we offer this support through every age and stage that your child is in. And I love seeing like the wins. We had a new member win who shared that she is feeling the change already. She wrote to me, she said yesterday after a tantrum, my son managed to open up because I managed to really, really listen. He told her how jealous of his sister he was and how he wanted to spend more time alone with her. So, so cool that she got this opening from really changing the way that she is present with her son. So, so powerful. If you're interested in learning about the Mindful Parenting Membership, I am not offering one-on-one -on -one coaching or group coaching anymore. So it's the only way to work with me is through the Mindful Parenting Membership. And it's so powerful. The thing that's different about it is so interesting because we had some people wondering about that. I was thinking about how in Mindful Parenting, we bring together things that you can get, you know, in the course itself that you may be able to get separately in a bunch of different places. So I actually added it up. I did like a cost comparison and, you know, the Mindful Parenting membership costs about $1,000 for your lifetime membership and you can spread that payment out. But say you wanted to just for the course itself, not all the bonuses. So say you take an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction class, that costs like $300 to $650. You could take like an NBC authentic communication class, that costs $250 to $600. Maybe you go for on-glowing meditation classes, that can be like $60 to $120 a month or about $1,400 a year. And then add to that parent coaching, which is about $200 an hour. And in Mindful Parenting, we offer 36 hours a year, three times a month of live coaching. So that over the course of a year would be $7,200. You add that all up just for one year, that's over $9,540, right? And we offer lifetime membership. So you can come back for every age and stage that your child is in. So say you have a four-year-old and you uh, multiply that by 14 years, that's over $133,000 is the value that you get from your membership. So I thought that was so fascinating to kind of like say, okay, well, what are all these things that you could get separately and, and add it all up? So pretty awesome deal. <laughs> if you are interested in learning more, you want to dive into this incredible value you get in the Mindful Parenting membership and get this, it's like this highest quality Thing. I don't offer shorter memberships and I don't offer do-it-yourself because it's not as effective. You are going to learn better when you learn with a group, when you learn with the guidance and coaching and you can ask all the questions you need to ask. So I'm just simply not offering the lesser quality version. So to accommodate everyone, we also offer scholarships that we have sometimes. But to learn more about mindful parenting, to get the whole scoop, and to get in the next time we open doors, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and get on the wait list. And I would love to welcome you in to take this to the next level, to you know get the support you need to take it to the next level. Sometimes we're like, we read a book and we listen to a podcast, and then we know what to do. And then we feel even more frustrated because we know what to do, but we just can't realize it and do it in our life without the support, the guidance, the practices, and all the different things that we need when we actually invest our energy and time into it. So join us, check it out, learn more. It's at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And now let's dive right into this awesome episode. Join me at the table as I talk to Devin Kunzman. Thanks so much for coming on, Devin. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Toddlers are super annoying. <laughs> like, they're so cute. But like, so it's so funny because I remember when my daughter was like 18 months old and two years old. And that's when like this whole work started for me because I started getting this whole like 
rage and temper coming out of me. And it's crazy for me to look back on those pictures, see how freaking adorable she was like, and that tiny little boy, she's so cute. And why it was like driving me crazy, so intensely crazy. So like, what's, what's going on there? Like, why, why, why do we have this clash? And I kind of, I firmly believe that like toddlers are so intensely cute just so we don't kill them. Like this is like an evolutionary thing. Like I'm pretty sure it is so that we don't kill them. But like what's going on there developmentally, Devin, that like is like driving this this, this difficulty for us as parents? Yeah. Oh, this is such a great question because, you know, society, you know, has fed us this, what I like to call a myth that toddlerhood is terrible. And while toddlerhood might feel terrible sometimes <laughs> toddlers and toddlerhood they're it's not terrible toddlers aren't terrible they're actually quite brilliant and it's a critical developmental period but it's super challenging and this is because like if we just cut to the chase the whole point of toddlerhood is for your little one to realize what it means to be their own person to be an individual separate from their parents and caregivers. And that is what all of the work of toddlerhood is. So all the behaviors that we see are coming from this developmental drive to experiment, explore, and um, really become an individual and learn what it means to be them as a unique person. And so of course, toddlers, they wanna have a sense of control and they challenge our sense of control. And then everyone's fighting for control. And that's where all of the frustration comes from. Yes. I mean, yes, clearly. It's so funny now that like, as you describe this, like my daughter just went from 13 to 14, like a couple of days ago. And I could see that same like process of like, I'm an individual, you know, I am separate from you. But like with toddlers, like before that age, they, that's like, not, that's not a real con like that. They don't have any concept of themselves, even as a, a person separate from your body. Right. Like, a, especially if there's like a, a, a strong, like kind of attachment there. Right. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting about it is that, you know, toddlers largely see themselves as an extension of their parents and primary caregivers. And we also see toddlers as an extension of us. Mm -hmm. So whenever this separation, this individuality starts to occur, it can be really jarring and really frustrating because, you know, we don't really expect it like we hear like okay something's going to happen but when we start to see like this cute or cute cuddly little one kind of transform into this you know tiny tyrant we're like oh my gosh what's going on here and we think there must be a problem how can this be happening there must be a problem here but really it's part of um toddlerhood and what's typical during these years okay so a big message I'm hearing from you is like, there's, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. This is just part of the process and like, don't, don't take it personally. And this is, this is kind of the, what some of the messages that I'm kind of hearing from you are like, you know, this is happening. There's nothing wrong with them. There's, you know, this is just part of the process. It, it doesn't have, it's not like about, about your, it's not even necessarily about you personally. It's just like, this is just part of the process. So we have to kind of manage. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And in which it can be so hard to do, you know, especially, you know, when we think of a child being an extension of us, we oftentimes feel responsible for yeah. their emotions. And, and it's hard to see anyone you love, um, you know, sad or upset or crying. And so, whenever we see a toddler like this, it's very common to just want to swoop in and, and make it all better or try to fix it. Um, that, you know, really part of the individualization process is that we all experience a full spectrum of emotions and toddlers get to experience and express all of the emotions as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's go there. <laughs> let's go to expressing all of the emotions. So 
one of the biggest things that we have with with toddlers are like the notorious temper tantrums. And I personally had like, my child was such a, you know, clearly was a highly sensitive person from birth. You know, I can, you know, I'm a highly sensitive person, so I can see that. And she was just so picky, but I mean, we would have uh, sometimes like three epic, like tantrums in a day and I was just exhausted. So tell us about, tell us about what's going on there in the tantrums. Yes. Well, you know, tantrums come with the territory and what's happening is it's the way that toddlers are really expressing themselves. It's how they process emotions, release emotions, and try to understand and change what's going on around them. And toddlers really have limited life experience. So they don't have a lot of experience on how to handle all the emotional ups and downs. And they also lack the brain maturation. Um, So they don't have the skills to process and navigate big emotions on their own. And of course, the big emotions not, um, you know, lead to the dysregulation of the behavior. So if the emotions are going like this, then behavior goes like this. And, you know, all this is just mixed up in their developmental drive of being independent. And so we see these tantrums and meltdowns, but I really encourage parents to think of it as an emotional meltdown versus something that's bad or wrong. It's like really an emotional release. And it's a really typical, normal, healthy part of development for toddlers to have this emotional release because it actually gives them practice in um, coming back to their equilibrium and starting to have the building blocks of being able to regulate their emotions and then their behavior. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It is really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. 
I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. It's a great way of looking at it as an emotional release. I remember one time, uh, a long time ago, I saw uh, an image of a uh, some celebrity dad, and he had been like caught on camera or something at some like theme park with his, you know, three or four year old daughter, and she was just like losing it and having a tantrum. She was on the ground kicking and screaming, and all he. All he did is like, he's just like stood and the family stood around a little circle in her and kept her safe. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, this is such a great example of, you know, she, them understanding and realizing she's having an emotional release and there's not much they can do about it at that point, which is what I talk about. So tell, tell, because I know that this question is in the listener's mind, like, Yes, but what do I do? What do I do when my child has a tantrum? What do what do we do when a toddler has a tantrum in the home? And Devin, what do people do when the toddler has a tantrum like in the cereal aisle? <laughs> well, it's not there the two scenarios aren't that different in general, but it feels different because of all the external pressure that um, we feel or the pressure that we put on ourselves that we, we interpret that's external, but we really put on ourselves whenever it's in public. Um, but it's a great question. You know, I want to mention that tantrums really peak between 18 and 36 months. So that's when you're going to see the most tantrums, and then it's going to slowly, uh, start to diminish. And the, what the example that you gave was so beautiful because after, you know, kind of changing your lens from, okay, tantrums are a problem to tantrums are a healthy emotional release. The next thing that I say, well, let the tantrum happen and then create safety. Creating safety is so vital, whether you're at home or you're in the cereal aisle. Because first of all, we want, of course, a child to be safe. And sometimes tantrums can be physical. We don't want them, you know, to hit their head or, you know, get hurt on a piece of furniture or something like that. So we want to move them the most minimal amount to create safety, to make sure they're safe. But the safety piece is super important for us as the adult, because whenever we can tell ourselves, okay, my child's safe. I'm safe. This is not an emergency. We can start to separate our emotions, you know, all of our emotions that are coming up when we're confronted with our child's feelings and emotions that, you know, make us a little bit uncomfortable. We can start to separate our emotions from our actions. And this is how we start to diffuse our reactions and by creating that space between our emotions and our actions. So um, really letting ourselves know, wait a minute. Okay. They're safe. I'm safe. We can take a moment. I can get grounded and, um, everything's going to be okay. Because in the end, this, um, the tantrum, it's an emotional release. So toddlers need us to stay calm and hold space for their emotions. And in terms of what to do in that moment, well, it's really about getting to know your toddler and following their lead. Some toddlers need you to stay closer. They need um, some more words of reassurance and validation. Other toddlers, depending on how, um, what part of they're at in their upsetness, you know, if they've reached the peak or not of the upsetness, they need us to move back a little bit. They need us to speak less words um, of validation and reassurance. And, um, you know, so it just depends on the moment. But if you're in a store and the pressure just feels too big and it's too much and you're having trouble getting grounded, even though you know your toddler is safe, it's okay to pick them up, abandon your cart or push it to the front and say, Hey, I'll be back and go to the car, go to a bench, get some fresh air, change the scenery. Um, and oftentimes it'll help in calming you both. Mm, there's so, so many words of wisdom there, Devin, that I really appreciate. And, and kind of from 
what I'm, you know, that idea uh, with the thoughts of I'm safe, those, those thoughts are so helpful, especially for the nervous system, because the nervous system is like your own nervous system as a parent is, you know, go stressed out and in, in fight, flight, or freeze or stress response. And so is the nervous system of the child, right? Like both nervous systems, you know, are, are freaking out. And so, this to remind ourselves, I'm safe, my child is safe, are probably like the most important words that we could say, like, I'm safe, my child is safe, it's okay. And the idea that you said to pause, like, there's not a lot to do. So we just want to be, we want to be there and be a presence if we're able to, um, which is amazing. And you mentioned the word diffuse. And I just want to address that because that may, uh, may have been a little question mark for some people, like, Sometimes what happens is we, when we have a, like a, a stress response, we have thoughts of like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Is my child going to be a delinquent? Blah, blah, blah. All the things that happen. And those are thoughts that if we are fused to those thoughts, meaning if we, are, if we believe those thoughts, we believe them to be true, we fuse with them, we identify them, that's what it means to be fused with them. But if we defuse from them, if we separate from them, then we can start to see, I'm having the thought that this is a terrible situation. I'm having the thought that my child's going to be delinquent. I'm having the thought that, and that can, and that can lead us to a path towards, um, towards regulation through those those I'm safe words. Um, now, one thing I want to check with you on this, Devin, because sometimes it becomes so activating for us, so triggering of our own nervous system that because what I'm hearing from you is that that presence, that ability to be present so our child can then regulate their emotions through us is like the best thing, right? Like that's the best thing we can do. Like that's that's optimally what we want to do. But sometimes like we can get so activated that what I tell parents is if you're, you know, maybe this is the at-home scenario versus the supermarket scenario, but if you're about to like freak out and lose it at your child, it's much better and it's okay to take a break and go take care of those feelings. So tell me what you think about this, Devin. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing, like in the middle of a, a tantrum or a meltdown, your child is just getting tossed around in the sea of emotions and it's triggering. And sometimes we can just jump right in the ocean with them instead of like throwing out the, the lifesaver. Right. And it's a completely normal human reaction because, you know, we get triggered sometimes and, um, it's, important. That's why the safety part's so important because when you can establish safety, you can remind yourself it's not an emergency. So if it's a not an emergency and there's nothing to fix, then it actually gives us the space to take a break. So, you know, if you need to step back, if you need to sit down, if you need to go to the window for me, like going to the window and looking outside, sometimes just throwing it open and getting some fresh air, something that, um, I look for things like that, that really help me like interrupt the stress response. Um, and sometimes throwing up in the window, whether it's hot air outside or cool air is enough to do that for me. Um, but it's so important. And, you know, honestly, when it comes to these tantrums and meltdowns, because there isn't so much to do for a child, most of the work is just internal. And it's, I always invite parents and caregivers to look at it as an opportunity to practice because, hey, it might not look perfect every time, but we're just looking for, you know, moving the needle 1% more, 1% more towards regulation, maybe um, regulating ourselves like one minute faster than we did last time or something like that, because, you know, it's a practice and it takes time. It's not going to look perfect. And it's okay to give yourself permission to take care of your needs, even when your child's having a tantrum. Great. Thank you, Devin. I, I really appreciate that because that's parents lay so much guilt on themselves for not being able to handle a situation well um, and, or the way they want to, they may hear it say, oh, like Hunter and Devin said to like, just, there's nothing to fix, but I'm like, you know, and then I'm screaming at my child and, ah, you know, and, and the, the truth is like, it's, 
you're going to be human. And so it's much better to just take care of those feelings. I, I really appreciate that. And then if you can get to that place where you like, I kind of think of like, I invite people in mindful parenting, we talk about this and I invite people to like sit on the floor, like touch the earth, feel that grounding. And if you can sit there and you can practice in that moment, I love that you're calling it practice. Then like, that's like, yes, like that's a win. That's amazing. Like we're like all like celebrating and doing a dance as people do that, which is so, so awesome. So let's imagine, um, Let's kind of like rewind a little bit. And is there a way to stop a tantrum before it starts? Yeah, that's a great question. So here's the thing. A lot of tantrums are, you know, it's really healthy because it's an emotional release. So we don't want to stop kids from having an emotional release. And sometimes we do try to avoid it, right? Um, so we'll try to placate them or we'll try to control, get in control and shut down the emotions um, to prevent them from having a tantrum and really preventing us from being, being with, being faced with, and then holding space and being with the discomfort of those feelings and emotions in the space. Um, so that is not necessarily the most empowering or healthy way to um, navigate tantrums in terms of preventing them because we, you know, we, if we change our lens here and realize that they're normal and they're healthy and they give children practice um, and they give us practice. So, um, you know, we don't necessarily want to stop them. But what I can say is that it's so important to track your child's behavior. If you're, if your toddler's having some tantrums, you know, make a little tracker, take a look. What time of day is it happening? What's happening beforehand? Uh, how long does it last? What do you do? How do they respond? Like just track some basic information. And after a week or so, take a look at it. You might start to see a pattern. And once you start to understand your child's pattern, like, oh, maybe they're having a tantrum, you know, around 4 p.m. every day. And it's actually like, oh, they're hungry and they can't quite make it to dinner. And so that's what's triggering the tantrum. You might be able to start to notice your toddler's uh, tantrum triggers. And once you start to learn their triggers, then you might be able to prevent the triggers and prevent them from being um, dysregulated and by helping them cope um, before it turns into a full-on meltdown. Um, so this can be one way to look at um, preventing tantrums, but just knowing that oftentimes when a toddler does have a tantrum, it's not even about the thing that they're had that that triggered the tantrum. Um, it's really just them releasing all the little all the little bumps in the road, all the little things that happened since they last released their emotions, uh, just coming out and kind of boiling over. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. 
The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, that I love what you're saying in that this, your, this idea of tracking the child's behavior, you're inviting us to act like a scientist, to not make assumptions, to not, uh, you know, just go with what we're guessing and what we're seeing, but to be curious rather than like judgmental, right? To be curious and act like a scientist, which I think is such a incredibly smart way, incredibly objective way. And I think that's that's what we need, right? Is we need to kind of step back and get a little objectivity, which is so cool. Okay, so wrapping up this, our conversation on, on tantrums, just with the question of like, what are, what are some ideas of ways that we should communicate and be with our kids post tantrum? Mm. Yeah, well, so again, it depends. You know, we want children to, um, you know, be with them during the tantrum. It's always it's like this bell curve where it like ramps up you kind of get to the peak and then it starts to unwind and ramp down, um, you know, the uh, emotional dysregulation. So for that, when a child gets to where a place where they're more calm, sometimes it's important to have a little chat. Um, you know, a great opportunity is to talk about feelings and emotions. Like, you know, you might just narrate and say, oh, this happened and you felt upset and started crying, you know, like talking about what happened or with an older toddler, you might say, um, like, I wouldn't let you have a cookie. How'd that make you feel? And so you can start getting curious and asking questions when you have an older toddler, that's more capable of starting to respond. But, you know, after tantrums is a great moment to, um, talk about emotions. So to help your child learn social emotional skills. It's a great time to reassure your child of your love. Um, it's a great time if you did lose your patience to repair the relationship. Um, I think repairing the relationship is probably one of the most powerful parenting tools we can learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a coach, um, cause I'm also a certified life coach. We talk a lot about taking ownership in coaching. And so one thing I like to say in the process of making amends, it's not about um, throwing ourselves under the bus or, you know, um, beating ourselves up. It's really about taking ownership and accepting, validating, accepting our feelings. So something like I yelled uh, because I was feeling frustrated, you know, really just taking ownership of what happened and the feelings and emotions. And then there's an opportunity to check in and see how it impacted your little one. There's an opportunity to then apologize and let them know that wasn't your intention. And then my favorite part, which like brings on the learning component, which is, you know, saying, well, what your intention is for next time. So mm-hmm. then you can practice it. You set your intention. You can even practice it in that moment. And the older your child gets, they'll be a really great accountability buddy or accountability yes, buddy. Yes, they will. <laughs> right? Because they'll say, oh, well, you, you said you weren't going to yell or you said, you know, you were going to do this, but it's great because this is just such a beautiful opportunity for everyone to work together, to learn how to ground themselves and create calm in the midst of a stress response. Awesome. That's so helpful. Thank you so much, Devin. Um, so how, how can parents foster a more cooperative relationship with the toddler rather than the like, do this, no, you know, like I'm holding two fists together here. Like we end up like two fists with each other. Um, How can we instead foster some more cooperation? 
Yeah, I think this is great, right? Because it's like, here's your agenda, here's Poddler's agenda, and like the two fists are going head to head. So (laughs) the first thing I always say about power struggles is to stop trying to win. Because if you're looking at it as a competition, um, someone's got to win, someone's got to be right. The more you push, the more your toddler's going to push back or run the opposite direction. Either way, it's a lose-lose situation. So things that I like to invite parents and caregivers to focus on is really overarchingly focus on the relationship and connection, prioritize relationship and connection over behavior. As long as everyone's safe. I mean, if a child's, you know, hitting another child, we need to step in and create safety first before we go, um, you know, into addressing the feelings, emotions, and needs that the behavior is communicating. But if everyone's safe, it gives us this opportunity to get curious and really look at what's happening below the behavior, because we know that all behavior is communication. And this is another key mindset shift when it comes to the toddler years. Your toddler isn't being bad, rude, manipulative, disrespectful. Your toddler is communicating something through behavior, you know, feeling, emotion, need, want, or desire, and they don't know how to ask for it another way. Even if they have the vocabulary, they doesn't mean that their lack of impulse control um, will, they'll be able to access it whenever they're in the middle of a stress response. So Focusing on getting curious and addressing those uh, emotions, needs um, before addressing the behavior and going on to like a teachable moment and teaching skills is really going to create a lot more cooperation because when we meet a child where they're at, the child feels us alongside them on their same team versus as an opposing force when we're trying to uh, grasp for control. Mm, I love all of that. That's an awesome But I imagine that the listener is like, I, I mean, not but, but and, you know, yes to all these things. I can imagine the listener saying, yes, yes, I want to be alongside my child. I want to see the behavior, the behavior as like communication. I want to do all that. Okay. But Devin, what happens when my four-year-old is like beating up on my two-year-old, you know, what do I do in a situation like that? Like, how do I handle something like that? Yeah. It's such a great question, right? Because, okay, we can talk about like our intention and then we also need to look at, okay, what is and where we're at as well. And sometimes we're not in the place where we can just, you know, meet our child where they're at. And sometimes, you know, our feelings and emotions that are coming up can be really great signals, um, about what we need. You know, maybe we need a break. Maybe there's some other unmet needs there that, um, are really wearing us down. Maybe we just haven't had sleep in a really long time, right? And um, the fuse is short. And I think, you know, if we circle back to what we talked about around the tantrums, that's why this concept. So this is what I work with parents on every day um, with my coaching clients is that once we create safety, we can give ourselves that moment. We can give ourselves that time to get grounded. It's not an emergency. If every, if, if, um, you know, you've separated the kids and they're not hitting each other anymore, then there's no current life threatening circumstances. (laughs) Step one. (laughs) Exactly. So it doesn't matter if we address it in that moment, or if we address it five minutes later or 10 minutes later, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, because no one's getting hurt. So I think that there's an opportunity to realize that we can prioritize our needs and well-being way more than we do. Because if we're in uh, the mode of treating things like an emergency, um, or like feeling like it's our responsibility to fix everything that happens, then, I mean, it just has can have us running around, like, you know, darting everywhere, kind of running behind everything that's happening. I love that. You know, we can prioritize our own needs way more than we do. I think that's true. I think that's true. We feel a sense of pressure, like time pressure that isn't really there. 
that we don't have to do and act right away. We don't have to do after it. This is so awesome. Thank you yes. so much. It, and really... it's a practice though. That's the thing. So listen, like it's not going to look perfect. <laughs> and you know, it's really important just to honor where you're at and not make that wrong. And, you know, just focus on one moment of the day or one situation. If there's like a recurring situation or recurring time of day that's challenging, just focus on that specifically and try implementing some of the things that we're talking about and just focus on that one little small step and celebrate the wins that you have as you practice and you're able to stay calm for two minutes and then three minutes and then four minutes. Okay. So maybe you still lost your temper, but you're still making progress. So oftentimes we wait to celebrate until we see the exact outcome we want to see, but we miss all those beautiful moments of growth in between and being able to, you know, celebrate our wins and celebrating those wins is what keeps us going to be able to create the next win. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah, that it makes such a big difference in, um, in the mindful parenting membership on the coaching calls. Like the first thing I ask everyone is like, what are your wins? And sometimes the win is just like, I'm here, <laughs> you know, like I made it here. Right. And we, we share the wins in the, you know, in the, the members only Facebook group and we all celebrate the wins and we share them in the newsletter. And we're like, yes, like these are the wins because, humans, we have this tendency to not like, just like you're saying, Devin, like we have this tendency to like overlick it until it's the absolute perfect thing, which is crazy. Like we're going to actually make much more progress when we celebrate those wins, which is so, so cool. I love that. Um, all right, cool. So what are a few of what are like, so we don't want to do so much in the tantrums and we, we do want to practice like really being present. So, but what are other, some other more like effective tools for parenting a toddler? What are some, some things that parents should have a toddler should have in their toolbox? Yeah. Um, well, we already talked about changing our lens, you know, changing, shifting what we make a toddler's behavior mean about them and about ourselves as a, as a caregiver or a parent. So that's, I think, one of the most powerful places to start. We've talked about curiosity, how whenever we, um, you know, if we don't come in with this binary lens of labeling everything as good or bad, it gives us some space to bring in some curiosity and start to try to understand um, what toddlers are trying to communicate with their behavior. Um, beyond that, I would say that focusing on meeting your child's needs within your boundaries is super important. A lot of times, you know, we feel like, you know, we need to set limits. And so it's a no, we jump to the no. Um, and oftentimes there is a way to meet your child and give them what they want or need in a way that's within your boundaries. So, you know, for example, like say, this is just a simple example, but say your child um, wants a cookie, something like that, and you're getting ready to eat. You know, you might, instead of saying like, no, we're gonna eat, you can't have that. And like bringing, like meeting them with logic, you can meet them where they're at and say something like, ah, oh, you really want a cookie. Seems like you're getting hungry. We're about to eat dinner. We can have a cookie after dinner, or you might say we can have half the cookie now and half the cookie after dinner. So we're turning the no into a how or into a not yet. And I think this is so important because, you know, when we can look at how we can meet a child's needs and wants within our boundaries, there's almost always a solution there. And still sometimes, you know, there's going to be a hard stop and there's going to be a no, and there's things that, you know, it's very clear, like this would cross a boundary and that's absolutely fine. But a lot of times there's a way to create a win-win, um, inside of setting limits. So I really encourage parents to really look for the how and just how to yeah meet the need, their child's needs within your boundaries. I think that's a really big one. Um, and choices is another big one in the toddler years. Um, especially when you're looking at how to meet their needs. And one need is the need for power and a sense of control. So giving your child uh, two options that's within your boundaries can be a really great way um, to give them a sense of control 
um, on things that are, um, would be, you know, okay for them to have a say on how it went. You know, you wouldn't give them a choice on like a non-negotiable except maybe like, do you want to do it now or after we, you know, blank. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, these are a couple of tools that can really go a long way in parenting toddlers, but they all require us to start giving up our, um, some of our need to control and really, um, be more open to being in charge instead of focused on controlling a toddler's behavior, because in the end we can't control another human being. And that's what toddlers are really showing us on a daily basis and, um, confronting us with that notion. Mm, that's, um, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's so much there. I think you could just rewind those fast last five minutes and just like ingrain that into our brains. If you're a parent of a toddler, that's so helpful. Um, how or not yet. And it's funny because it's not that different when you're talking about older kids, it's pretty amazing. Um, so w- just, uh, just curious, I'm, I'm interested to hear your words on this. What do you think of counting to three? Um, for a toddler, like in a situation Mm -hmm. when you want a toddler to do something. Yeah. Yeah. So this falls under the, uh, category of trying to control. So this is, um, a parenting tool that's used, um, that I would say is not highly effective because in the end, you're trying to ask a toddler for compliance and in the long run, demanding compliance is maybe will quote unquote work for some children who have more of a mild temper, but it doesn't support the parent child relationship and the relationship that you really look to build with your child in the long run based on connection and trust. And it doesn't give kids space to really learn through experience, which experience is the best teacher and the natural outcomes or consequences from our choices. Um, it doesn't give them the opportunity to do that. And children need opportunities to learn, to make a decision, to be with the outcome of it, to be able to grow up, to be successful, independent, um, people. And, you know, to go into the teen years, like we're teaching kids to comply with authority figures, then, you know, it can set kids up for, um, you know, more dangerous situations as they get older, feeling like they don't have a voice or they can't bring their voice. So I always encourage parents to start to shift from being, um, what I call either being in the role of the controlling commander or the role of on the other end, the permissive pushover and really focus on coming into the role of the leader and guide where you're focusing on being in charge and not in control in charge, not in control. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I get so annoyed by the one, two, three thing. Cause it's basically like one, two, three threaten or one, two, three punish. And like, we, it's, it, I don't know, like what happens after one, two, three, but that's gotta be what happens after one, two, three, if, if compliance isn't happening. And I think that and we know that that causes resentment and resistance, especially over the long term if you're playing a long term game. Um, so it's you know we have to kind of decide like, what is my vision, right? Like, do I want to complete obedience and compliance? Like sometimes. I got to be honest, like, yeah, that's what I want. Like in a certain moments, like I just want complete obedience and of compliance, but I know my values are in the long term that I want kids who cooperate with me because they care about me because we have a strong relationship who, uh, they see my needs and I see their needs and, you know, and that they can value getting everybody's needs met rather than just the strongest one wins. So it's, um, you know, I know it's really popular. So I, I'm, I appreciate you speaking to that as a, a fellow, as a, as a parent, a toddler parenting expert. Um, all right. Well, I think, uh, I think we've covered a lot of the things on the, uh, in toddlers. I'm sure there's so much more to, to talk about with toddlers. Is there, Devin, is there anything that we miss that you think it's important to 
important to bring up in, in, the, in the space of this conversation about giving people an overview a little bit on some of these difficult moments with toddlers? Yeah, I think one thing that I want to say is that all toddlers are driven to experiment and explore. And beyond that, honestly, all toddlers, they just want to be seen, heard, and know that they're unconditionally loved and accepted for who they are at their core, not their behavior on the outside, just like all of us, right? Just like how us as adults and, you know, toddlers want this too. And sometimes we can lose perspective whenever we're just feeling so triggered and so frustrated and just like we can't stand another minute of what's going on. And so um, I just invite you to really write that down and hang it up somewhere um, in your house just to remind you that, you know, your toddler's job is to experiment and explore. And that means experimenting, exploring with limits and touching everything and moving everywhere. It's part of what they're supposed to be doing. And they just want to be seen, heard, and unconditionally loved and accepted. Mm, so beautiful. Yes. And uh, let, let's, let's see them. Let's hear them. Let's be curious about who they are because they're changing so, so rapidly. And, and to do that, we have to be truly present, right? We have to be, we can't be always in the future or, or worried about the past or thinking about Bridgerton or whatever it is, right? Like we need to be, you know, at least maybe 30% of the time, be really, really present, really curious, open-eyed, grounded and present. And that's, that's, um, that's the best gift we can give our kids. Yeah. And if you're having trouble getting to that point, you know, it's okay. And it, it doesn't mean you're a bad parent or you know, failing, it might just mean you need a little bit more support, mm -hmm. you know, and it's okay to ask for support from your parenting partner, from your community, um, from a coach, like it's okay to ask for support, even from a therapist, if you're struggling emotionally, I know the pandemic has just been so hard um, on parents, especially moms, and, you know, it's okay to ask for support. And I think that we forget that. I mean, even so I forget this, you know, I support people all day and sometimes I forget like, Oh, I need a little bit of support too. Yeah. We think we kind of like do it all on our own. Like the DIY approach to parenting is not, it really does take a village. It's true. And it's that in part of that village is that like, you know, when you're in a vacuum on your own in a house with like a small human being, like for 24 hours a day, like that's crazy making, like you need to, it's so much, you know, it's so much better to go through it with the support of a community. And if you're learning something new, you know, you just go further, faster, deeper when you get guidance and support. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Devin, you, you're awesome. I love everything you, you say and, and how, how beautifully and practically and down to earth you say it. Um, where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, well, the best place to come find me is at my website, Transforming Toddlerhood and over on Instagram, also at Transforming Toddlerhood. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for the work you do helping us understand these chaotic little beings. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I think you're, you're doing great stuff in the world. And I know this is going to be so helpful for people. So thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity to talk about my passion, which is toddlers. I love how Devin talks about meeting needs, right? Because this is the mindset shift we need to make. It's not about making a child do a thing. It's about how can we get everyone's needs met, like including your own needs. They're just as important as your child's. So I hope that you have enjoyed this episode, that you have found it valuable. You can watch little clips from this on YouTube at the Mindful Mama Mentor YouTube channel. And I hope, you know, you share it. This is one that is so helpful and valuable. You want to share with those moms groups, parent groups, family and friends, so your family can understand what is happening with a tantrum, how it's not something to be punishing. It's just something to understand. And the real work there is to take care of our own 
feelings. I hope that this has been valuable for you. If it has, please let me know. Please let Devin know. You can tag me on Instagram at mindfulmamamentor and take a screenshot of what you're listening to and let me know what your takeaways are. I would love to know. Or if it was just simply valuable to you, it really makes a big difference to me. It makes me want to do the work that I do and to make this whole big machine that brings you this podcast every week run. So I really, really, really appreciate when you do that. And if you want to dive in more deeply, you know, you can get your copy of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. And if you're ready to take it even deeper, you're ready to take the dive and join and not messing around anymore. Join us and get on the wait list for the Mindful Parenting membership. And then I can meet you and watch your kids grow up and celebrate your wins. And that's the best way. I mean, those are the people I help the most are the people who join Mindful Parenting. So I would love that to be you too. I would love that to be you too, my friend. And... Wherever you are in the world, I'm just wishing you peace, health, relaxation, all those wonderful things. When you have little bits of them, like lean into them, savor them, you know, let them be something that your mind and your body and your heart memorizes and soaks up and soaks in so that you can have more of it. And I cannot wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.